Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why It Matters, the podcast for the dreamers and the driven. We're changing the world their way. Our guest this week is Tim Lebrecht. He's a co-founder of the House of Beautiful Business, a global think tank on a mission to make business more beautiful. By drawing in the love and romance that comes from the arts, he believes business can be a way for people to feel alive through what they do instead of being driven by an exchange of goods and services. Before we listen to this week's conversation, everybody take a second to settle in, appreciate where you are, and take a deep breath with me. And now, off to the episode. And we are live. Tim Lebrecht, welcome to Why It Matters. Hi, Luke. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Great to be on the show. I'm excited to get into both yourself and everything that you're doing. Um, I came across a video that your company produced on LinkedIn, and it made me stop and think, and not many videos make me do that. And so I felt excited and urged to reach out, and I'm so happy that we're here now. Um, before getting into what you're doing, I would love to hear a bit about you, Tim. So who is Tim? There's a lot of, I was reading about you, watching videos about you. I think there's a lot of descriptions put onto you. Um, but how would you describe yourself? Hmm. (laughs) So, um, Probably first and foremost is a business romantic, which is the title of the book that I wrote in 2015. Uh, It's a few years ago, but someone actually asked me today and said, does that label still apply? Do you still feel comfortable with that? Or does it feel outdated now, you know, uh, six or six years later? And it really doesn't. I I still feel like I haven't come up with anything better to describe myself. (laughs) I am a business romantic, which is in, in some ways, the story of, of my life so far. So my father is a, is a manager, a businessman who's worked in, in professional development and uh, education. Um, and my grandfather was a filmmaker and an artist and very creative. And uh, my mom was also very creative, but also was a, was a notary, uh, sort of paralegal. Um, and I studied law, you know, after after uh, college and after school. And then I, I you know, I basically, tried to become a musician. I played in a band. I released two albums. I always went to film school, but then I ended up in marketing, you know, (laughs) Um, and so I have these two, I guess, these sort of two strands, these two aspects always sort of intertwined in my life. On the one hand, like the very, like I, I really, I'm very interested in business and, and pragmatism and what society considers valuable. And I was never like a great risk taker. So I always felt like I had to, you know, uh, kind of like uh, comply to that and adhere to that. On, on the other hand, I, I was always very drawn to the creative and the artistic and wanted to experiment and, you know, express myself and, and uh, felt like I had a, a you know, sort of, rich imagination. Um, and I think the house of beautiful business or the, the first, the release of the book and then the house of beautiful business allowed me to, to, you know, combine both, but it, it really had taken me 
I guess, 15 to 20 years of working until I realized like, that that's my home. It was a homecoming of sorts. So, yeah, and now I, I wake up every morning and I do exactly what I want to do. And I'm super, like, um, it's such a privilege and I'm so happy that, you know, I can, I can do that. So that, that's, that's maybe me in a nutshell. That's an amazing feeling. Um, and I think there's a lot of people out there who have this feeling of kind of pragmatism, like doing what they have to do just to be a human in, in today and, and to make money and to support themselves and to live and to eat. And there's also this, I think, slowly becoming more and more of this feeling of an overwhelming desire to be able to put yourself into what you're doing, your work and your inner energy and creativity. So how would you recommend to people, because you're one of the people that now you've kind of been through that stage and now you're doing it. Like how do, how do people, if they're feeling that way, how can they try to strike a balance around that stuff? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think you need to figure out what it is that you want to do with your life. And um, you can do that when you're 20, you can do that when you're 25, 35, 40, you know, it's never too early. It's never too late. And it keeps changing in a way. But um, sometimes we have these inflection points. Uh, often they are at the end of a chapter, right? That a formal chapter, like, you know, graduation or getting married or turning 40, which was the case for me. When, when I realized I want to leave the corporate world and I want to do something different and I feel like I could have a bigger impact um, and I have sort of a different mission to pursue that lies outside of the corporate world. And what I did with the help of a coach, actually it was uh, Priya Parker who wrote the book, The Art of Gathering, who worked with me at the time. I wrote my own purpose or mission statement and just kind of looked inward and, and kind of, you know, began to articulate what really matters to me and also what the greatest possible, you know, change in the world might be that I would have the capacity and passion to affect. That's the question I think you have to ask yourself. And that's the question that Priya's formula, when you, she worked with me, asked. Um, and I think it's good to write that down, even now working with clients with the House of Beautiful Business or people who come who are members of the house. Um, I think it's, it's always that, that question. And then you can identify and see, okay, so what are the vehicles? Like, what do you do, you know, to, to achieve that impact and to kind of live that life? And that to me is like the, the quintessential definition of a beautiful life, that it's aligned with the mission and it brings out the best possible you, um, you know, to affect and to make the lives of others more, more beautiful. I think that to me is maybe the kind of like the core definition of a, of a beautiful, meaningful life. And that kind of, you can do that outside of work. You know, it does not have to be at work, even though we spend the majority of our waking hours at the workplace. So work is important to, you know, at least the average knowledge worker. And, uh, but it can also be at work, you know, because precisely because we spend so much time there. And, you know, I think that's up to you to decide. And I, I think in, in the past few years, more and more people, and I think particularly, you know, your generation and, you know, Gen Y, millennials, yeah. uh, Gen Z have realized that, no, we want more, you know, like just productivity and a fairly linear progressive career with higher compensation, higher social status is no longer sufficient. We want to actually help solve the climate crisis. We want to create good in the world. We want to, you know, strengthen the community around us. We want to enhance social justice. I think there's a heightened consciousness that, that we're seeing with like really rapidly shifting values. And 
that I think really culminates at the workplace. Now, and I think that's great. I think it's great that we talk about purpose, even though some people sort of dismiss it as purpose washing. And of course, there's there's all of that as well. But I think at the core, it's really good that we're having these conversations and we're introducing this language to business. I think the only thing I would caution us against is, you know, sometimes there's this talk about bringing your full self to work and 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 I think that's great for the right person, but I think it's also important that we can still autonomously determine where we draw the boundaries. And for some people, the, the full self or the core of their identity might very well lie outside of work and it's totally fine. So you don't have to like completely open yourself at work because there is this danger, of course, that organizations use that to then, you know, take advantage of you and exploit you on a more emotional subjective level and not just in terms of like your objective performance at work. So I think it's just important to be aware of that and then decide yourself where you draw the boundaries. Um, yeah, maybe. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that that is something that is never spoken about. And I think is important because we all have lives outside of what we do and being able to keep that in that place is really important for us too. And I think, Going back to something you said within that, I think the idea of being not only saying I want to think about what I want to do, which is a huge first step, but also taking the time to say, what, what am I good at? And I think it's a question that's hard to answer for yourself, but just talk to friends, talk to family, kind of see what, what do you gravitate to in terms of media? What do you like to learn about? What can you do? And looking at those things and trying to say, Hey, what can I do with this? And that's something you kind of just mentioned and also tying that to something that, that matters to you. And you mentioned the art of gathering that book that the woman wrote. And that seems extremely relevant, especially after watching some of the highlight videos from your events, it seems like an art of gathering that you guys have created. And so I would love to hear a bit about, that journey about kind of learning about the book and that woman and what you do now and and kind of why does your work matter to you mm. yeah I, so priya parker who wrote the book it's a really great book i highly recommend the art of gathering um basically says how we meet is, is how we live our lives so how we gather is how we live our lives whether that is in a small family setting or meeting with friends or it's an informal encounter or it's a town hall meeting or it's church or it's you know the un summit <laughs> you know? um, but how we orchestrate that really says a lot about uh, um, who we are and it, it basically facilitates and provides the rituals for how we can uh, engage with each other in a more meaningful way um you know one thing i realized is i think with the house of beautiful business is, and, and this is just a very, maybe just a very subjective view, I guess it is, 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 is that, you know, it, it is more important, I think, that you feel alive in what you do and that what you do makes others feel alive than necessarily like having a very, you know, determined definitive impact that you can measure. So I think it's much easier to say, it's much easier to accomplish, I think, to feel alive and then to say, okay, my, my goal is to, you know, combat the, the climate crisis. And that is my 10-year goal. And here's how I'm going to put myself to use in the context, you know, of that goal, which is very abstract. I mean, it's great. But I think if that doesn't make you feel alive, if you don't, if you don't come alive in pursuing that goal, and if others sort of are not inspired by your aliveness, 
then, then it's, an, it's a really great lofty goal to have and it might be very meaningful and it's purpose-driven, but it won't make you happy. And I think because you're not alive, you also will then not, you know, infect others with your enthusiasm. Um, and so why does that matter to the House of Beautiful Business or to my work? Um, I think we have a little bit of a sort of built-in resistance to necessarily measuring the outcome of our work. You know, so many people say, so what do you do? Um, so how does that actually translate into action? How does that translate into app impact? Can you... Can you measure that? Can you provide some evidence? And we can provide some anecdotal evidence. And we have many stories of how what we do um, might matter and might have a positive impact on the world. I mean, our, our mission is to, to make business more beautiful by drawing from the arts, the humanities, and other parts of, of human knowledge that have been excluded or systematically engineered out of the fairly sort of reductionist, narrow business world. So we're trying to bring that back in through different language, or different rituals, or different practices, through experiences that are very transformative and very emotive. And we do that through in-person gatherings online. Uh, we do it through um, content that we create, you know, and all of the experiences and media that we create. And I think and this is sort of what brings it back to what I said about being alive. I think the key litmus test for us in terms of like of what we're doing is, is, is meaningful is, well, does it make people feel alive? And even if it's just for 15 minutes for an hour, you know, we're less interested in sort of the five-year measurable long-term impact of an action that we see. We believe that if we touch people's hearts and we open them up um, and they, they're going through a very moving experiences that they will not forget, that that is so powerful that it will do something to them. It will do something to their work. And then, you know, as a result of that, also to society and the world overall. But I think... Yeah, the aliveness of it, the vibrancy, the vitality of an experience of, of a community, that is what we're mostly after rather than only measuring sort of like, okay, what is the, what is the product of our work? What is the bottom line? If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, I, I think there's moments that everyone has in their life when they feel alive to what degree it's subjective, but it's something you can tangibly feel when you have a great conversation that you're immersed in for an hour. You, you go walk in the woods, you, you're somewhere in nature and you're just in awe of, of something. And there's so many things where you just feel alive. I think to have that be your mission, there's something part of what you're doing is amazing. And one thing, one question I have kind of off of that is how do you guys balance that with the, uh, the, the paradox, I guess the, the, flip side of that of like people saying like wanting to measure and wanting to fit in within a very structured society especially from my financial point of view um so how do you when you have either i don't know if you guys have investors but if you have outside stakeholders that are looking in like how do you manage the the output of the house of beautiful business it's the paradox that that uh, the tension I think that we all struggle with and uh, is also, by the way, why we decided to form uh, the House of Beautiful Business as a for-profit business and not a non-profit organization. We consider, you know, we considered that as well, but then we felt like, mm, well, you know, if, if our mission is to make business more beautiful and it's about business and connecting business to these others, other disciplines, then we should, we should embody that. We should be, or we should at least strive to be a beautiful business ourselves. Um, and yeah, we're feeling this tension, the whole, I mean, you know, every day, like we have a, we have a PL, you know, we have investors, we grow, we have expectations, we need to make money, we need to, you know, 
we, we need to give them like a return on their investment. And at the same time, also, we want to retain the freedom sometimes to defy that, right? And then basically err on the side of experience and say, okay, in, in, rather than growing by a certain percentage, actually, here's what's really important to us, how we grow and how we do things, even if that happens at the expense of, you know, exponential growth or so. So we're trying to kind of like embody that conundrum mm. and that, that paradox ourselves and maybe not resolve it, but at least sort of tolerate it that, yes, we yeah. need to be business yes we need to grow but at the same time also um you know at the same time we're kind of questioning that paradigm and we're almost like undermining it with some of our experiences um so it is a little bit of a tension and it's a paradox and i think it's probably one that many many business and many business leaders and many workers face every day it seems like you guys are almost embodying and representing the paradox itself which is pretty cool um i'd love to get a bit into the the what of house of beautiful business um and maybe to start off if you could give a quick overview high level of like what is it and what how do you guys like operate like what do you put on sure so we we started in 2017 and it was really a passion project that began in barcelona on the uh, piggybacking or doing the same week as mobile world congress which is one of the world's largest sort of telco um industry events and we were very much the opposite we rented a small guild hall in barcelona we invited 150 friends and, and colleagues um, it was all free and we put on what we want what we considered the most romantic business conference in the world and that was on the heels of the book release and so we had an opera singer we hosted a silent dinner where we sat together silently for two hours and ate wow. business leaders we, we talked about what we can learn from soccer in terms of innovation. Um, you know, we, it, it was just sort of different than I guess the usual business conference and it really struck a chord and that encouraged us to then turn it into a business um, and, and really build a community around it. And since then we've hosted uh, four annual gatherings. We moved to Lisbon for those gatherings. Uh, since the beginning of last year, actually we are a membership based organization. So you can, can become a member of the House of Beautiful Business, a so-called house resident. And as such, you have access to um, online programming, to a whole library of content that we create throughout the year. You can meet other residents. You can work with them on so-called housework projects with our self-governed um, collaboration initiatives on a variety of topics pertinent to the idea of beautiful business. Um, and I think all of, all of that uh, we do we also do consulting work, by the way, in surface advisors for, for companies from, from Airbus to Google to BCG uh, to PwC and others, small, small and big, um, because that really grounds us. It keeps us honest rather than only, you know, spreading the gospel of beautiful business. <laughs> we, we also want to really, like, endure the tension and also the realities on the ground, like, you know, in day-to-day -day business, which is why this, this consulting work that we do is so important. And, and all of that we do to to inspire and enable business leaders or you know actually individuals of all kinds to reinvent their organizations but also to reinvent themselves so they often come to us at inflection points in their life when they're looking for yeah for for new inspiration for new ideas and for encouragement to change um, and we then try to give them the experiences the encounters and like-minded people to help them do so. So it's a community that is growing, um, mostly comprising North Americans and European members at this point, um, that has developed 
really strength, strong ties and in pursuit of the same mission, but also as someone called it, the most unlike-minded community in the world with a lot of room for dissonance and, and, and discourse. And also I think hopefully dissent and disagreement uh, as much as that within a community or a certain, you know, a certain tribe, which we are as well. So yeah, that's what we do. And um, we have some plans for next year. We want to do more online programming. We're going to launch beautiful business trips, which are learning and development journeys uh, that are experiential. Uh, we are planning our own podcast. Um, and uh, we're also launching an app that connects members of the house. So we're basically trying to, to strengthen the community and the connections among members of the community to, to increase our impact. And at the same time, we will maintain our flagship gathering, which takes place in Lisbon again and online. The, the theme next year is the dream, the underscore dream. So insert whatever is missing. Um, and that's important for us because the, the gathering is the only time and really like the core community of the house comes together in person in Lisbon. And it's this big kind of ecstatic catalytic event that then fuels our energy again and the energy of the community for many more months to come. It's very hard, I think, to, to maintain an, an, a community that is so defined by emotional intimacy without having an opportunity to meet at least once, you know? So it's very hard, I think, to do that purely online. So okay. that, that's what we do. Sorry, Luke, for, the, for this long winded. No, I, I, I appreciate it because it allows me to get a better picture of what you guys are doing and for people listening too. Um, so for people who want to get involved, just, just quick so that before we can get kind of into the events, um, I saw on the website, you can become a house resident. There's, like you said, content that you guys put out, podcasts, upcoming events in Lisbon. I think I saw it was October. Maybe you could give me the exact dates, but what are the few things that, or anything that someone can do if they're listening and like, oh, this is, this is for me. Like, I want to be in the descent community and I want to have the creative name and the art and the expression and the silent dinners. And so how can someone who's listening say, let's do this, where can I go? So you can uh, simply like Google us, right? And then check out uh, our website, houseofbeautifulbusiness.com. Uh, we publish a lot of content actually for free via YouTube and other channels. You just can watch, watch some videos and highlights from the, the most recent annual gathering that just ended in Lisbon and online. Concrete Love was the theme. Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter, which is also free. Uh, that then arrives in your inbox every Monday called Beauty Shot. So Beauty Shot is basically just every, every week we identify a theme, uh, for example, Web 3.0 and beautiful business or um, talent or the future of leadership or uh, NFTs. So from the very sort of techie to, um, you know, rather like political societal uh, topics. And we, we create content every week and it's a fairly long newsletter. You don't have to read it all, but um, hopefully engaging. And then you can become a resident. So you can actually become a, a member, a paying member of the house. Uh, it's 275 euro uh, um, per year. And then that means you have access to all of the content, uh, to some exclusive content, and you can be part of uh, the so-called resident circle. So these are the social forms connecting all of our members online. Um, you are eligible to buy a pass for the, for the in-person gathering. And, you know, you can take part in these housework groups that I mentioned and a bunch of other um, initiatives. And then for corporate partners or teams, um, you can become a strategic partner um, of the house. And that means that hundreds or you know, a dozen or, or so of your, of your staff, of your team can go through that residency journey and can take part a la carte in, in what we have to offer. And I think overall, the, the 
the proposition is, or our hope is that as the world and the business world is changing so dramatically around us, and it's just going through these like seismic, seismic shift because of COVID, because of climate change, because of, I think, how our societies and the way we, we govern and relate to one another uh, and exponential technology, of course, is, is changing. I think if you want to understand that and you want to uh, embrace it and learn about it, then we hope that the House of Beautiful Business is a community that allows you to do that in, in the company of others who, who have similar interests and maybe a similar sens- sensibility. Um, when, without us providing all the answers, you know, it's just more like a space where you can ask questions, where we can explore, where we can go deeper, where we can experience some of these changes, but not necessarily in the form of a textbook or a curriculum or a, a definitive answer to all of these. It's yeah, an open space. <laughs> that, that reminds me of what you kind of said a few minutes ago about feeling alive and like that experience truly is just different from anything that exists today that I've experienced, especially in the Zoom world, which is just no bueno for anyone involved. Um, it's great, pro, many pros, but many cons. Uh, I'd love to get into some of, of the events that you've run, and I would love to start off with the one that you did this past year, Concrete Love, um, with the theme being shifting from business as usual to business as beautiful. So could you describe what that theme means? And then taking that theme and kind of blowing up, going a bit to the macro picture and saying, what was the event and what was its purpose? And what was the, what were the sparks? Yeah, I I remember that Charles Eisenstein, the author of the book Sacred Economics, among many other books, a philosopher, um, he spoke at Concrete Love. And when he came on stage, if I remember correctly, the first thing he said is beautiful business. Like this invitation to speak here struck me as, as somewhat, you know, I, I was very curious about that beautiful business. That in and of itself is such a contradiction. And there's so much tension in that, in the combination of those two words. And, and I think that's really what we're trying to do. And this, this line that you quoted from business as usual to business that is beautiful, that's really the overall theory of change or so if you want, or the, mm change that we want to see. And uh, there's a number of qualities that we believe in. So rather than just uh, a a myopic belief in efficiency, let's create intimacy at the workplace. uh, Rather than um, a very narrow reductionist understanding and thinking in binary truths, let's actually embrace fluid identities and fluid notions of truth and reality at the workplace and beyond. Um, Let's embrace uh, emotional intelligence and, and passion and, and losing control and humility rather than this illusion of control that management theory has really, I guess, sort of impressed on us, you know, for so many decades. Um, let's actually attune to, to nature and be harmonious with the ecology around it rather than pursuing a human-centered um, concept of work at all costs. So I think these are some of the, the shifts that we want to promote and concrete love was the theme of our gathering and the subtitle was the making of beautiful business and we felt that concrete and love like beautiful and business has also this inherent tension so we felt like in the wake of the pandemic that there is this yeah i mean almost like this this desire this insatiable desire for 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 touch for love for like a more um, 
a raw or more authentic way of living, uh, more emotions, you know? So the love, we felt like we were shying away from the term love, but we felt this year, 2021, I think, yes, we need to, we need to unpack it and need to look at what that means really and why it's important to business. Can a business love, can, can there be love in business? Does it matter? Uh, in a, you know, beyond sort of the usual love marks and other theories and, and love your customer and so forth. And then concrete though was, was, was the counterforce. It was basically saying, well, even though I call myself a business romantic, but what does it mean to make love concrete in the day to day, like make it specific, um, build something, you know, like weather the storm, cross the ocean together. It's not just like, it's not just a romantic candlelight dinner, actually sustain <laughs> it's hard, you know? So I think we need both. We need the, we need the, the, the elusive lofty, you know, dreamy notion or not just dreamy, but the sort of ambitious notion of love, but then also the concreteness of it. And that's what we were trying to, to curate for in the event. We had more than a hundred speakers. We did a three day event in Lisbon um, with five main acts on stage. And then that was followed by a four week online program. And that then deepened the conversation and actually served as almost like an overflow container to, you know, reflect on what had happened in Lisbon in the, in the days before. And I think mostly the themes were, yeah, I think a, a reanimation of senses. I think people were just really keen on reactivating their senses, feeling alive again to come, come back to that theme, connecting with others. And it was actually somewhat awkward very often because, you know, what happened because so many people like their muscles were sort of, in, they, I guess they suffered from sort of social atrophy, like I did, you know, yeah. not knowing like when to end a conversation. Uh, sometimes there was this awkward pause in conversations. Um, and, you know, they were all a little bit like, not, not really like uncalibrated. Yeah. And, and it was really beautiful to observe. And that's why there was so much pent up energy and pent up passion in the room. And it was very cathartic. And yeah, we had ballet, we had Gaga dance, we had um, we had philosophers. We we learned about the metaverse. We had uh, we created NFTs. We um, we did other sort of movement related exercises. Um, we had debates. Um, we you know you know we heard about AI. I mean, it was a broad range of topics and experiences. And um, and I think I think it all comes down to yeah, opening up to what's happening in the world and getting a sense that there is a community of people who are who share this passion to explore these questions further um, and lift people's spirits, which was very much needed. Uh, this year. So incredible. And honestly, sounds just like, at the end of the day, almost like a celebration of life in the, the beauty of life, the beauty of today. There's so much negative media talk and conversation about what is going on that's wrong in the world. And you just listed a few things of which there are many things that you guys are doing that's celebrating the beauty of a human being, what they can do, the world we live in, the amazing technology we have. Incredible. It's awesome that you guys are doing that. And I'd love to shift into the dream. So the dream, the upcoming event for this year. Could you give me the, the preview of what is this event going to be? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew. <laughs> we're still dreaming about it. We're, it's very early, early stage. We were literally, uh, um, as we're recording this conversation, we really, it's hot off the press. I mean, we just kind of locked in the theme. We just launched it. We just created the early stage visual identity for it. We felt that after Concrete Love, the, the, maybe the more logical thing to do would have, to, to do would have been to become even more practical and more specific and, and sort of double down on that. But then we felt like, ah, let's do the exact opposite. And yes. all the way up to the very lofty, um, like the very, like the, the overview effect, right? Really looking at very high altitude um, down onto earth. Uh, and at the same time, go very deep, like go into the subconscious going to, you know, like really like below the soil, the mycelial, you know, the, um, what is like back to earth, you know, and connect back with that. And, and, and that's why I think we then chose the, the, the term the dream or the underscore dream and also suggesting that maybe there isn't just one dream. There are many, many dreams and we need to learn to respect the dreams of others. And we need to be able to first and foremost, to dream again and not live in this, what, what I just wrote an article, um, read an article about that, what someone called this wake-centric world. You know, we've sort of dismissed dreaming as something that's not relevant, not valuable. But I think it's good for us to reconnect to our dreams and give it space. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to have a uh, four-day completely like dreamscape, surreal Salvador Dali experience. I mean, we're <laughs> back to business. Dreams fuel of course innovation they're the the engine of progress right so many of the things that we do in business whether it's new products or innovations or customer experience ultimately it's all about the dreams of 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 people you know whether they're inside or in the organization or whether they're the customer so we will we will bring it back to business but at the same time we wanted to grant us license to yeah dream And it's gonna be fun. That. It's a it's a it's a it's a cool theme because it's also so cliche in a way. Dreams are so overused. So we're kind of like, mm, this is an interesting challenge. Like, how can we make dreams like really interesting again? And you know, how how do we sort of stage that without coming across as trite or you know, sort of dabbling in cliches? It sounds like at least the one thing that you said that made me think of something that's different is I think having the idea of, of dreams being respected and especially in a business sense where like, let's say I'm, I'm a 23 year old recent college grad and I have a dream, right. And having my, my family, my friends, these people like yourself who I'm interviewing and, and people that are in the space I'm talking to, if, if everyone were to say, let's support as much as we can, this, this guy's dream. And if that was, taken to every person who wanted to pursue something in life or in business. I think that, I mean, that would be just a magical feeling to have support behind myself and being able to go in an event like that, where it really feels like a space for dreams to live and grow, I think is so, so powerful. And like you said, it's dreams truly are everything, every innovation, every invention has come from someone's imagination. And so like same thing as a dream. And so being, allowed to pursue that thing and create it is super special. And one question I have about the idea of creating is after watching, I watched two YouTube videos. They're like 45 minutes long about two speakers that you had at the event. And what I noticed was similar to what we talked about earlier, like the art of gathering and creating a space. 
And they're truly watching the video. I felt like I was a part of the space and I could feel what this space felt like. And so I would love to hear what, how does that happen? How do you curate the environment for the house of beautiful business to exist in? You mean in terms of physical spaces and, and, and the actual uh, setup of the room and, and how people relate to one another, the overall experience at our, at our gathering? Yeah, I'd say that or anything else that goes into when I walk into a House of Beautiful Business event, that feeling, how is that curated? Uh, so we, we actually, I think a couple of years ago, we came up with the, the principles of the column, the tenets of the House of Beautiful Business, and they are our design principles. The first one is uh, begin with mystery. <laughs> But whenever you enter the house, I think it's very important to us that you don't know what is going to happen. There's always a sense of mystique. So rather than over explaining and giving people an exact manual, uh, by the way, we also don't have, uh, uh, we don't have badges at our events. So people don't know who the other person is. There's no title, there's no role. So they have to really discover each other through conversation. Um, which is which is helpful. So that's one example of how a design principle that we have translates into like a specific design choice that we make at the event. And then at Concrete Law, for example, and actually also a couple of years ago when we held our last in-person event before before COVID hit, um, we have an in-the-round seating, right? So the, 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 the stage is at the center and then there's basically in-the-round seating around it. And, and it creates this openness and intimacy um, It's almost like a, you know, yeah, it's kind of like a town hall. That's really interesting. So it's less leaning back and just consuming content, much more sort of leaning forward and being part of it. Um, and yeah, and we try to, we try to create experiences. And then uh, this year, actually we, or at Concrete Love, we, we played a lot also with integrating the online audience. We projected onto the walls of a warehouse that we had taken over Uh, and designed for and then on the walls we had the you know zoom gallery view and we had uh, speakers from zoom and they were projected on these walls and because of that rather than them being projected on a screen or so uh, it was almost like they were in the room you know they they became they kind of became one with the, with the material with the concrete wall and that made them in a, in a strange way they were actually very close and very present much more so than i think than just appearing on a, on a you know led screen so those are maybe some examples and we have more of these principles and um you know we have music we we always try to be somewhat playful and whimsical we had a really beautiful um session with the american um choreographer and ballet dancer john michael shirt from the american ballet theater who's been working with leaders a lot translating lessons from from ballet and dance to leadership and he he basically created a performance or a choreography from scratch um by involving the audience and their choices and kind of deconstructing dance and then deriving lessons from that for leadership and that was for me it was like one of the highlights and it was kind of like a the epitome of i think what we're trying to do like embody um you know sort of intelligence uh in a, in a performative playful way rather than just uh showing a bunch of powerpoint slides with facts and figures you know it really needs to touch you and needs to involve your emotion that's the only way to really connect and really internalize uh, knowledge. I, I love that. The idea of, I, it would be really cool to go to an event like that where there was people's, that couldn't be at the event were somehow still a part of the event, like by being on a wall, I think definitely makes it a lot more engaging. 
what is your vision for the house? We want it to be a not-so-secret society that infiltrates business in all the right places um, and connects people all over the world. Actually, also, uh, I said earlier that it's primarily in North America and Europe. We want to gain traction in Asia and Africa and Australia and South America and elsewhere. Um, and, yeah, and, and just create a really powerful community that then goes back to the organizations and creates real change um, from a you know, from a, from a small gathering in Barcelona to a community to a movement. You know, I'm, I'm being very yeah. careful with that word because I think it's so obvious, but movement as in pursuing the same goal and being constantly in motion uh, and maybe not exactly knowing where the destination is, but being, you know, being, yeah, on a journey together. Uh, I think that's the goal um, that we're trying to, yeah, pursue. Cool. Uh, that idea of movement, like you kind of said, is people think about in terms of what it's meant in history. Um, but also it, I could almost feel it like being going to something that's where you feel alive and you're interacting with almost feels a bit like movement and getting almost like getting people to move in, in their way, which is pretty cool. Um, I'd love to wrap up with a question, which is why does, why does this matter? Why does the work that you're doing matter? Oh, um, I hope it does matter. <laughs> no, it, it does. It, you it, know, that's my honest answer. I always, we always, we ask ourselves that question. It's like, does it matter in the end? We, and it, there's a question of, you know, how you define that or what, what your metric is. Um, we, we, we do know that we touch people's hearts and minds and, and that they return from our gatherings or from being a member of the house and that they take something home or bring something home from, from being in the house that inspires them. I think the world's really at a crossroads. I mean, I think we're seeing, we're sort of in, in this, in, in the, the, you know, the dying stages of an old paradigm uh, that was modern management and a, a Silicon Valley kind of shaped exponential technology dogma dataism the idea that if you only have enough data you possess the truth you can solve any problem in the world you can engineer for everything and i think we're already over that and i think we're now in sort of the state of confusion where we realize that many of the paradigms and the stories that we believed in have had you know have produced a lot of collateral damage to say the least um climate crisis you know the, the mental health crisis which is also shocking um, this alienation of ourselves, you know, in regards to nature, but also just ourselves and to others um, and, and societies that are increasingly polarized um, and maybe also secularized in a way. Um, and all of that, I think, is, is, is manifest in the way we run business. So, which is why we believe that changing business and bringing beauty to business, something that seems so foreign as a concept, is exactly the right catalyst and the right tool to you know instigate change on more profoundly even beyond business business is such a powerful vehicle to do so because we spend so much time there because it's such a dominant paradigm of our lives right it's the one operating system i think we all somehow believe in in a, in a capitalist market society um and that's i think why if we if we manage to create a safe space for conversations about that how we can fundamentally shift 
the nature and the dynamics and the, the practices of business, then I think we can make people, we can help people live more fulfilled, more beautiful lives. And by doing so, create a more beautiful world, you know, to, to, to put it in these sort of grand terms. And even if just along the way, some people have indelible memories and to sort of see something or gain access to some kind of world, the world behind the world or a hidden world or another truth that they had not seen before that enriches their life. Even just that, um, I think for us would be enough proof that our work matters. I'd love to put that on a platter just to leave, leave it at that. Um, and I think that for a grand work and, and grand vision, like it's, it's deserving of the grandiose. Um, so thank you, Tim, for coming on and for having this discussion and for doing the work that you're doing and spreading the, the love, the beauty, the expression, the freedom, and the shift to a more beautiful world of business. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Luke. It was, it was fun. Thank you. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, follow us on LinkedIn at Why It Matters and on Instagram at Why underscore it underscore matters underscore. You will find our community of guests and listeners performing the next generation of changemakers. Come join the group of people leading humanity into the future. I'll see y'all soon.